Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. And they've recently launched a developer platform for complete code control. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP3. This week on TWIP, Facebook's facelift, is it good for photographers? Portland is charging to photograph an iconic landmark, and the FAA grounds a UAV aerial photography business. It's Wednesday, March 20th, 2013, and this is... And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today in the show, we're going to be diving into a couple of interesting topics. First up is going to be Facebook's facelift that looks looks suspiciously similar to some other social networks that we've seen. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, some cities, or a city in particular that we're going to be talking about, is going to be charging people or photographers to take photos of their iconic landmarks. Then we're going to dive back into that drone conversation, do an update on that. The FAA has grounded a Minnesota-based RC aerial photography company, so we're going to bat that around a little bit and see uh, where is that all going, if anywhere. Definitely not up. And then uh, then lots of other stuff. So we've got, an, we've got a special treat on the show today, Mr. Charles McPherson has joined the TWIP crew. First up, hey, Charles, how you doing? Hey, Frederick. Great to be well, here. Thanks for having me. No, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come on. It's good to have you. Hopefully this will be the first of many visits to the show. I certainly hope so. Yep, I, I do too. And also on the show, for those watching, you can see them in the room. It's Nicole Young and Miss Valerie Jardin. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hi. Good. Valerie, I love it when you're on because I get to pretend like I have a somewhat acceptable French accent. Which <laughs> <laughs> only when only when I say your last name, it kinda, you know, I get to put it in the back of my throat, you know. Jardon. <laughs> I like it. So cool. So let's Valerie, let's start with you. What's uh, what's been up in your world? What's going on? Uh well I was on two weeks ago. So not a, well, yes, I'm actually I I was back from San Diego and I was just leaving to go to D.C. last time I was on the show, so I'm, now I'm back from D.C. at a wonderful time, and you were right, it is a black and white city. I told you. It, uh, I did a lot of street photography, and it was awesome. I had a good time, and I had never been there before, so that was really exciting. And I'm going to stay put for a month, actually, um, and then going to Paris for the spring workshops. Paris and then Normandy on the coast. And uh, yes, and I'm starting a brand new website, Squarespace. Wow, I am um, designing it this week. I'm hoping to have it live next week. I'm pretty excited. Very cool. Yeah. I want to hear about that when we uh, yeah. when we talk about Squarespace later in the show. Definitely want to hear about that. And also, Miss Nicole Young, Nicole S. Young, a.k.a. Nicole Z. Ms. Ms. Um, Nicole sorry. Ms. Well, <laughs> is, it, is it Ms. Nicole Young? Or what, what's your official well, name? What's on your driver's license? Nicole Matias. Okay. okay. But I'm kind of keeping the Nicole Z... Nicole Young thing to kind of just keep everything the same. I think you should just drop the last name completely. Just be like, yeah, you're like Madonna or somebody, you know, just be I, Nicole Z. Well, I've, I've 
thought of that from a business perspective. So I'm still I have haven't pushed out any ebooks or books since I got married. So I'm still trying to decide what to do. But you could put we'll both see. on there. Just just make it a long, yeah, make- <laughs> just a long, a long name. All right. And Charles McPherson, let's do a quick introduction. We already talked a little bit, but what what is your deal with photography? Why are you always <laughs> running around the world taking pictures of strange animals? What's <laughs> What, what, what's your uh, what's what's your love of photography? Take us through it a little bit. Well, I'll start by telling you that there are very few people in the world I'd rather talk to than a polar bear. So, <laughs> my, okay. my, I, I love my wife. I love my kids. I was going to say but, your um, wife might have something to say about that. <laughs> but the polar bears like me, and I yes. like the polar bears. So, uh, yeah, I I, I started um, in photography back in the early seventies, and. Um, I ran around shooting all sorts of nature and wildlife, and uh, actually not wildlife, but all sorts of nature and kind of scenics and landscapes. And I was a little bit of a hack at it, but uh, it was in about '07 that I discovered this um, mad passion for wildlife. And so now I spend every waking moment trying to figure out the next place I can put a tour together uh, or a workshop, and uh, really enjoy doing it. Hence the the gigantic monstrosity of a lens I see hovering above your head back there. Oh, that little fella? Maybe my my macro lens? (laughs) Yeah, it looks like it should be on a space shuttle or something. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, tomorrow, um, Valerie um, might like to come. Who knows? I'm going to Montreal. Oh, okay. Oui? Oui, oui. Very cool. I speak about that much, friends. You now know my whole vocabulary. But I'm going to Montreal, and I'm meeting with some folks from uh, First Nations in Canada, and uh, we're putting together the very beginnings of a new polar bear tour into the James Bay. So it's um, quite exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Well, once again, welcome welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. It's good great to, have to be a, here. have a voice of reason. You know what they say. You say you've been shooting since the 70s. They say... To become a truly an expert at something, you have to have been doing it for at least 10,000 hours. So you are an uber, uber expert at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently you know we'll, you're we'll on a or two. <laughs> you know what you're doing, right? I can break a few things. Excellent, excellent. All right. Uh, and then on my side, I'm happy to announce that I finally pushed Mediabytes 2.0, my little company, out we launched it we soft launched it last night so no big hubbub because it basically is a refresh for the existing customers in there and uh it's live at mediabytes.com i'd love it if the this week in photo folks would head over there and pound on it and let me know what you think and then secondly as promised finally the nicolzi contest is live on thisweekinphoto.com so nicole you are generously giving 80 presets to the This Week in Photo listeners, right? That's right. 80 of them. So, And this is easy. I love these kind of contests because there's no shipping, no nothing involved. They can go to your Nicolzi store, right? What's, yep. what's the URL? Store.nicolzi.com, right? Yes, that's correct. They can head over there, and whoever wins it will get the coupon code from me, and they just plug it in when they check out, and they'll get a link to download all these amazing presets. So thanks, Nicole. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Very cool. How's your store doing, by the way? Oh, it's doing well. You know, it's um, I, I sold them on my uh, on my blog before I started my official <coughs> store, and I got a good push. You know, when it through when I first pushed it out like a month ago. So it's, it's doing well. It, you know, it's it's one of those things that it starts out kind of it's pretty small in comparison as a store. 
Mm-hmm. And I have an ebook that I'm working on. I hope to have it out in a month and a half or a couple months, and that'll go in the store. And then I'm trying to do monthly preset packs, you know. So it'll it'll add up, and it'll you know hopefully do well for me in the future, long term yeah, kind of a sure. thing. It looks gorgeous. I love the way it looks, and it's very clean. It's very Nicole for some reason. I feel like I'm talking to you when I look at the site. <laughs> well, that makes me feel good because it's my brand. So <laughs> it is. It is your brand. Got those colors and everything in there. So uh, other than the store and all that, you're you know you're still plugging away at your normal stuff. Yeah, just, you know, I'm still photographing food and I'm doing writing and nothing, no huge projects other than I'm, I'm starting to do self-published ebooks. So I'm about 90% of the way into one of them before I start pushing off to, you know, production work and everything and editing and all that fun stuff. Uh, so all, that'll be kind of, you know, it's a fun kind of new adventure for me. Everything I've done in the past was either published through Peach Pit or Craft and Vision. And mm-hmm. I still plan on working with them in the future, but... Um, I kind of want to do things on my own for a little bit. It gives you know a little more flexibility about what I can write that way. Uh, yeah, and the length and all that. You could, yeah. you, could you could put out a twenty-page ebook if you wanted to tomorrow, and then write a three hundred-page one. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, and I'm kind of of the idea of keeping them. You know, like books can cost twenty or thirty dollars. You can get an ebook for five or ten dollars, and mm-hmm. I think it's you know that's there. There's no shipping involved, like you said. There's no printing and. I like it to make things like that accessible. Like my presets, they're only like five dollars per preset pack. Yeah. So can't lose. Love I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm following the same kind of philosophy on Media Bytes. One of the products that are released on there um, in the future will be really low priced, kind of bite size, hence the name. You know, bite sized yeah. products that people can just sort of consume quickly, get in, get out, and get on with their life rather than committing to a course of yeah. something. You know. So anyway, enough about us. Let's talk about the news. First thing up is Facebook. So you got you, we put the links in the show notes. So you guys have seen the news about Facebook. I'm happy, really happy that Facebook is making changes to the UI. It looks cleaner. It looks familiar. <laughs> so in some ways, so without leading the witness, uh, Nicole, I'm going to throw it to you first. Since we're already talking, so you've seen the new look and feel of Facebook. What were your first impressions? Well, I don't have it yet on my site. I don't, I don't think anyone has it yet. I think Thomas it's, Hawk has it. <laughs> so, well, he's, he's Thomas Hawk. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I've seen he's him. He's on a you different know, planet. Yeah. <laughs> he, has a, he has a good blog post all about it. And I, I was on the Trey Ratcliffe show a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and they were showing the live, you know, just scrolling through and showing some of the pictures on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Google Plus, and it looks very similar <laughs> to Google Plus. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it, it balances really well. Um, somebody even commented that you know about I mean, sorry, Thomas really likes the the square aspect ratio. And one thing that the new uh, Facebook has over Google Plus is the you know the, the huge photos are going to fill up that amount of space. Uh, I'm sorry, square photos are going to fill up that space, whereas on Google+, Plus they still kind of leave a little bit of a border mm-hmm. on either side. And honestly, I am I try to not post as many vertical photos on Google+, Plus because they end up just being like these skinny little bars yeah. in, in the street. It's really interesting how I'm, I notice when I'm photographing something, I'm like, oh, i got to make sure I get a good horizontal if I want to post this online, because I know yeah, it's going to look Google better. Plus. Yeah. It's really interesting. If I go back and if I could do a test, I, it'd be it'd be hard to do an actual like you know like controlled test. But I think that horizontal photos get much better response than vertical photos because they just show up better on the screen. So it's you know it's in square photos as well. And um, because Instagram was acquired by Facebook, 
kind of makes sense that they're pushing that square format to be like one of the biggest sizes on the on the page, which it should be. You know, square should be the biggest format. So yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of square. You know, it's hip to yeah, be square. Charles, <laughs> let's let's talk about that a little bit. That was another pop culture reference, hip to be square. Right? So, <laughs> so uh, you've you've looked at that article that I sent over. I'm not sure if you have it yet. I don't have the new Facebook yet. I can only live vicariously through, I guess, people who have it and the article. So have you not, you know, not diving into the who's, why's, and what's? For me, when I saw it, when I saw the screenshots of it, at least, I was happy that, that Facebook was innovating or is innovating. But at the same time, it looked like they just sort of took a page out of the Google user interface manual and applied some Facebook to it. I don't know. What, what, what were your first impressions when you saw it? Well, my first impression was it. It's always nice to see new developments, and like mm-hmm. you said, they're they're innovating and not not staying in the same place. But uh, innovating, imitating, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, the sincerest form Somewhere of theft. I mean, I mean, um, flattery. Sincerest form of yeah. flattery. <laughs> we need a new word but for I, that. Maybe we'll call it annotating. That's right. it. <laughs> but what did I say? Good artists copy and great artists steal. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I believe with that. I don't know if I'm in line with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, Charles. Go ahead. My big problem with it, I am not a fan. I guess we're going to have our first disagreement. Does it, can we still be friends? Yes, we can. Um, okay, good. Because I, I am not a fan of the square format. I never, ever, ever. Why? Seen. Why? This is interesting. Because, yes. Oh, gosh. When I'm, when I'm sitting there staring at whatever I'm staring at, I'm looking through a rectangular format. Right. I'm through, I, have, I shoot a 7D and a 5D Mark II. Mm-hmm. Neither of those is a square camera. I, I suppose if I was shooting a um, twin lens reflex or a Hasselblad, I might be a lot more in tune with the square format. But my compositions are set up to use the available space. I, I balance them for negative space. I'll balance them with a rule of thirds or a, you know, a golden mean or you know, not mm-hmm. split the horizon this way or that way. I shoot for the format that the camera provides. And... Um, but if you had a square camera, a camera that produced a square format, you'd be o- you'd be okay with that, right? But I don't know. You know, looking totally at you, frustrated. <laughs> looking at you, I mean, landscape photographers, I can see how square would be frustrating, right? Because you, I would I would assume that a large portion of your work is horizontal, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. So when I when I think square, I think how is this going to look on the wall? You know, and I'm like, okay, I can do all kinds of things with square frames. <laughs> I guess you can. I mean, it, you're playing more with the geometry of, of the framed um, end artwork where I have, gosh, I probably have 30 different pieces printed and hanging in different parts of the house. Every single one of them is in its native its native format, its native aspect ratio. So I, I just, oof. When I see that square format, it just... Gives me Valerie, <laughs> Valerie, you're snickering over there. Are you are you a square photographer? Uh, I actually I, I like it. I don't shoot same. I, I shoot with a 5D Mark II. So, um, and the only time I will do a square crop is if I actually do a crop in Lightroom. I I try not to crop. I try to crop in camera and mm-hmm. remove any distracting element in camera. And I use usually a f- mm-hmm. fixed focal lens fixed focal length lens that's hard to say um so i i try to to get the framing right in camera but if i do need to remove a um distracting element in post 
for street photography, I do like square. And I think it works well for street photography in black and white. It's very fitting. A lot of street photographers only shoot square formats. So that's the only time I, I do it, is if I need to crop. And Instagramographers are square, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not, so. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Yeah, we know. You hate Instagram, Valerie. No, I don't. I just don't have time. There's just too many things to keep track of. There's no such hey. thing as not having time in social media. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, should be, you should be shooting when you're sleeping. Yeah, oh, come true. on. Um, but I'm excited about the new Facebook thing. I, I still spend more time on my Facebook page than I do on Google+, although I'm getting some traction some traction on Google Plus, so I'm excited about that. But uh, I think it, it will look good. Yeah. And bigger bigger images are gonna be good for us. So Yeah, that's the thing. That's the other thing. Big images are better, right? I mean all around. I'm excited I'm excited about it. So I don't know. Nicole, when even with this new look on Facebook and I know you're you're big on, on Google Plus and all that, are you are you going to be putting larger images on Facebook? I know it was it Scott Bourne made the suggestion with regard to posting images online, and he said, "Don't put them on social media networks as much as you can. Put them on your own blog and then link to them." Where do you fall on that? I'm uh, I will still put them on my blog, but I prefer to also share the actual photo on social media. I'm not really worried about it. You know, it's I'm not worried about the social media site stealing my work or doing anything like that. Yeah. It, you know, I, I just think that they, the whole point is to share the photo. And if people, I know people aren't going to click on the link. You know, when I post a link to something, it gets very few comments. It gets very little interaction. If I want to post a link, usually what I do is I post a photo of like, let's say I want to share my blog post. So I pull the photo I put on my blog post. I put it on Google plus and I write out a, a couple of sentences about that specific post and then I say hey you want to read more about it here's the link so then if people want to read more they'll go to the link if yeah. they just want to see the photo and comment on the photo they'll comment on the photo but I I don't think that things get much traction if you just post a link and it's I mean it's it's if you want to go I don't think we should be fearful photographers you know we, yeah. I, I want to share my work and I want to get it out there I want people to see it I want to help people out I want to teach and I'm finding the best ways to do that, and the best way for me to do that is to actual share, actually share the photos. Every once in a while, you'll see me post a link to something, but not as likely as just the actual photo. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and that, that's kind of the, the Trey Radcliffe mindset too, right? It's like, yeah. just share it. People that want to steal will always find a way to steal your work, um, and then you can deal with them accordingly, but mm -hmm. we're photographers for a reason, right? Charles, what, yeah. what about you? When you're sharing online, what are, what are your rules of thumb as someone that's been shooting for for a long time and you've seen things sort of evolve from nobody can see your work except for people who are physically in proximity to it to now the entire give or take planet can see your work what what's changed for you in terms of the way you share i've i've evolved a little bit over the years and um when iStock first came out that was i was of a mindset that said uh, i have this image of um a snowy owl, and I, I remember the image uh, took me five hours out on the beaches of Massachusetts, and it was five degree temperatures, thirty mile an hour winds, and iStock wanted to pay me twenty cents for that mm. image. And my, and at that point, I said, "No, <laughs> absolutely not. You cannot have the image for twenty cents." 
and I'm not. Wait, was sharing. this this was iStock or Getty? This was iStock. This was, this was, no, was iStock, okay. and so that's when I decided I'm not doing the iStock thing. In fact, I'm not putting my my snowy owl out there because I worked so hard for that owl. <laughs> I froze. I was frostbitten. I was in pain. You cannot steal. My... And I finally got to the point where I said, basically, what Trey Reckless says. I'm not quite as out there, but I'm out there. You know, I I post things on my blog. Um, I post to Facebook, and now I'm just firing up G+. As you know, G+, is still a little bit of a popsicle headache for me, but I'm getting there. I'm figuring it out. And all I'm doing now is I'm posting low-res images. Everything that goes out to the web is 640 by 640 maximum. Hmm. You want to steal it for desktop? Steal it for desktop. Wait, wait. 640 by 640 square? Really? No. Uh, excuse me. I let me <laughs> Oh boy. I just I just dug myself quite a hole. Let me let me let me back up a second. You forgot um, who you're talking when, to. You can't get by uh, me with that stuff. Don't forget, I'm I'm the aperture guy, right? I'm yeah. I'm the, I'm the guy who still uses aperture. Right? Oh, you're the one. Okay. <laughs> me and Joseph Lamashke. Yeah. So <laughs> So Uh-oh. I export to fit within six forty by six forty. And that's the largest thing that, that goes out to the web. And Got if you want to steal it, steal, but if you want to put it in a billboard, it's going to be big chunky blocks. So yeah, I don't I don't worry so much about that. Yeah, Valerie, what about you? When you share online, are you a, are you a low res person, or do you like Trey will put up like desktop retina sized images of his beautiful <laughs> HDR work with no watermark, no nothing, and like use it all you want, steal it if you want it. But I'm going to you know, I don't know. What do you, what do you do? Uh, no, I do share. I share a lot, and I share on my blog, and I share images, and I agree with Nicole. People, you don't get as many clicks on your blog if you just have the blog with that tiny little image on it. Yeah. And what I do also is I, I on Facebook, I will put uh, an image, and then kind of as a teaser, and then underneath it, uh, more pictures here, and then the blog link, and then then you get more um, uh, more response. Um, no, I do share smaller images, low res. I have a very, very inobtrusive. Um, is that how you say it in English? Inobtrusive. I think I'm saying. Unobtrusive. Unobtrusive. Sorry, it's one of those understand. words I'm not familiar with. Uh, I should be. It still uh, sounded water- good with your accent, really. <laughs> <laughs> Watermark. I mean, you can barely see it, but it's there. I, I don't put. I, mean, I always smile when I see watermarks flat in the middle. You know, yeah, that's just. Yeah. Please. <laughs> it's an eyesore. Yes. Yeah, yeah you take all the time to make small. a beautiful piece of art, and then you put, you know, Joe Bob photography right across the middle. Yeah. Splat. No offense, Joe Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no hate mail, Joe Bob. And it's not, it's not because I'm afraid of people stealing or sharing or whatever, but at least they know where it's from. If somebody's interested in that image, then if they can read the, the little watermark on it, then they know where, who to contact. And that's the only reason I do it. I mean, people are, if people are, want to steal your work, they're going to steal your work. Yeah. They can get it from your website, you know. Yeah. Nicole, are you watermarking? No. I, well, yes and no, but you, <laughs> you wouldn't clear. That was a yes-no question, Nicole, not a multiple choice. (laughs) I don't watermark like anything you'll see me put on Google Plus or my now current post in my blog. Back in the day, I used to put a little watermark in the corner. Um, And depending on the use, uh, like we're going to be sharing some photos with, I think, the Australia Tourism Board Facebook page. So I'll put like a small thing on my, you know, because it's not coming from me, it's coming from someone else. So, but it's my photo, little things like that. But out of the way, kind of watermark. But 
anything that you see that's like an, kind of like an art, art print type photo that's just going to be shared online in Google Plus or on my blog, I'm going to use uh, Digimark. For mm-hmm. if it's, I don't worry. I I am an iStock contributor, and I actually don't even worry about watermarking those. Um, not that I'm giving people an invite to steal my photos, but they're you know different type of image, I guess. So I'm not as worried about it. But uh, anything that I have feel has you know a little bit more intrinsic value, I guess. I'm gonna throw a Digimark watermark. So. Well, my husband has something to say. Can he join in? He's right here. Yeah, bring him over. Bring Brian over. Uh, but <laughs> while he's coming, Nicole, explain to us what the, what what Digimark is for folks so, that may not know what that is. So Digimark, I use it as a Photoshop plugin. I'm not sure if there's any other way actually to use it. Uh, it's a digital watermark, and it is a visual thing in the watermark. I mean, sorry, in your image, but it's kind of obscured within the actual photo. If you use it on a black and white photo sometimes you can see it so sometimes I don't use it um, if it's visible but it's really kind of hidden and it's like all pixely kind of weird um, cryptic kind of stuff going on there and the way it works is I can I'll be alerted through Digimark I think it's about a hundred dollars a year and you get a certain amount of photos that you can you know watermark I will be alerted when a photo of mine is used so photos that you know I don't usually license these out um, regularly if I see it used on a site, which I haven't really found anything yet, but if, if someone pulls it and uses it on their site, I'll get an alert because it scans the inter- internet looking for these Digimark watermarks. So that's kind of, and it's also a way for me to prove that, you know, hey, this is my photo. And I, I also copyright my images as well and other things. Smart. You know, yeah. Another show. So. We've already done that show. Yeah, I'm not is... going to get into that. So, yeah. all right. Very cool. And what, like what is he doing down there? <laughs> I was... <laughs> I just saw it on the screen. I'm like, that looks so odd. That did look odd. Our dog is, our puppy is like at my feet here. Uh, I don't know, Brian. I I have so many things I could say about that, but Uh, I'm not going to say. Those those who are just listening to the show, all of a sudden, my husband just kind of popped out from like almost under my chair. Yeah, but he he was rolling around on the floor for a second down there. I don't know. Brian Matias. Hey, Brian Matias. Hey, what's going on? How's everyone doing? Um, Come in closer so we can hear you. Sorry. Um, so, the the whole thing with um, I was listening to, to this conversation here, um, and I'm just trying to think because Nicole's like moving everything around right now. Yes. Um, so, so regarding you know posting images on website on your blog versus um, social media, and you know definitely um, each has its purpose. Like each has its own your your, your site. Everyone should have their own <laughs> website. I do think that's important, especially if you're in it. For yourself, like you're a photographer and you're your own brand. Um, but for me, uh, I, I'm of the same mentality. When I put an image up there, I kind of resign myself. It's kind of a pay-to-play type of thing. I put my image up there, and if if um, I if it gets infringed upon, you know, I, I register just like Nicole uh, with the copyright office, but. If it gets infringed upon, I'll deal with it as that one-off. It's it's so far and few between. The whole thing about watermarks, though, you know, I'm I'm vehemently opposed to it. Um, mm-hmm. I, to me, the image is there. It's, it should be presented in my way, not with text. So, you know, Nicole uses Digimark, and I th- I think Digimark is, is is that a pay service? Yeah, you pay. Yeah. It's a yearly pay, and there's so, different levels. Yeah, I say nuts to that. What, here's the thing. We have EXIF. EXIF is everywhere. You know, you've got your anyone who's not using proper metadata, that's you know, shame on them. And you Aperture, you've got Aperture, you've got Lightroom, and they have all of this information that you could put in there that can get automated on import into the catalog. So 
the way that I see it is um, EXIF is becoming more and more prevalent. People are starting to understand what it is, and they are understanding because they're starting to understand that, oh, wait, I want to know what the shutter speed of that image was, or I want to know what the aperture of that shot was. Um, I can just right-click and go to Properties, yep. and usually it's now integrated into the operating system level. Like, if you go into the property of the image, you'll see the EXIF. Or I shouldn't say the EXIF, the metadata. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I put my, my name, I put my email address, my website, and my Google Voice number. Um, like that, you know, it's kind of like a, a fakey number. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to have my cell phone. Um, and and if that's that's my version of uh, a watermark. It's my version of Digimark. And things like, you know, um, reverse image searching with Google or I think it's Tineye. Tineye, yeah. Tineye. Yeah. Yeah. You've got these things that if you are... So I'll do that every now and then where I'll take my most popular images, not on my blog, but on social media, but like the ones that are heavy hitters, and that's what I'm going to, you know, once a quarter, just just for giggles, I'll, uh, I'll you know, hit back. And every now and then, it doesn't happen often, but I'll see someone... Usually I'll, I'll see what the what the offender is. If it's just another blog or something, whatever. Yeah, but if it's a, you know if it's a commercial venture, yeah, that's a different story. Then that's a payday. That's a payday. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you register your images, then you don't really have much other than getting them to remove the stuff off of the site if you don't register. But you right. can actually you know get you know reimbursed and all that stuff. Too. But I didn't. I just wanted. To, I was listening here. Just uh, you, you were cringing about the copyright. What are, what? No. The, Watermarks, yeah. Oh, the, I'm sorry, the watermarks. Yeah. We're, 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 yeah. Brian, before you go, how do you yeah. feel about square crop images? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you only see that on my Instagram account. You won't see that, and that's <laughs> only like, because you're forced to. Yeah, I'm forced, at least in the there was a previous version of Instagram that allowed you to to have it on horizontal images. Mm. You would have bars. They put bars on top. At least you oh. keep your your aspect ratio. Now it forces you. Like, that's obnoxious. It's square. Yeah. It's square. So, it's hip to be square, man. Come on. I suppose so. You know what? <laughs> I don't want to be hip then. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Charles, Charles, on, on your side, so just briefly, any words of wisdom on copyright? Like, how, in, have you been infringed upon <laughs> in your time shooting? Uh, not beyond use in somebody else's blog, which... You know, as you say, I, I don't really worry so much about that. But I have a very different business model than most people, though. I'm, I don't even try to sell my work. Uh, it's not, it's just not my business model. My my model is conducting photography tours and workshops. Ooh. Nice. Um, that's everything I do. Is is meant to bring people to pretty places and see pretty animals, and I'm going to help you photograph them when they get there. And that's. Everything I do, the blog, the classes, I do some freebies, some some photo walks, all those things are focused like a laser on that one point because it's what I want to do. I'm going to yeah. have to work until I die. And if I'm going to work until I die, I'm going to work doing something that I do. If I didn't have to make a living, I would do it for free. I love it. I and you've, it, sounds really like you've built, it. it sounds like you've built a nice little ecosystem where – you you're not charging for the photos, but the photos are the product of something that you enjoy doing, and that's traveling and doing these workshops. And the workshop fees pay for you to do more traveling and more workshops. So <laughs> right. then it's like a snake eating its tail, right? So yeah, you know, when I decided to make photography part of my living about oh maybe it was seven or eight years ago, I tinkered with a couple of weddings and um, mm. I had a visceral reaction. I, I 
immediately decided I don't like crazy people. <laughs> hey, not all Nicole, right? Yeah, Nicole, not all married people are you know? crazy, right? Well, maybe not a after they're married. That we're okay with, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In the process of getting to the married is when yes. crazy happens, and um, I, I did a couple and thought this is not for me, and I finally had a sort of a flash, one of the one of those light bulb goes on moments, and decided polar bears are really pretty. And the tropical birds of Florida are really pretty. By the way, New England fall foliage is really pretty. I bet people will want to pay me to have me lay out an itinerary, do all the groundwork, take them to photograph these wonderful things. That's my business model. So my engagement with social media is peripheral. Um, In a pragmatic sense, I, I had an employee working for me for a solid year, pumping out content on Twitter, Facebook. Um, I do a little bit on LinkedIn, and I cannot point to ten cents in revenue mm. from a year's worth of labor. So I'm not convinced that it really warrants, um, at least given my business model. I recognize other right. people have very different things they're doing, but for me, I'm not sure it warrants more than five minutes a week. Yeah, that's a that's a slippery slope trying to monetize social media because you know, inherently social media is social or a party, right? And you don't want to be the guy showing up at the party selling, right. you know, Girl Scout cookies or something. <laughs> so, unless it's that kind of party. I don't know. <laughs> well, it must be a West Coast thing. We don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to this next topic, and that's about the city of Portland. So mm-hmm. city of Portland, Oregon, they have this um, – this white, they call it a white stag sign that as you enter over the uh, the Burnside Bridge, which is a major sort of thoroughfare into the city, um, this landmark or this sign was erected to let people know that you were actually coming into Portland. So what the city's Office of Finance Management has posted on their website basically saying that if you want to take a photo of that sign for commercial purposes... Um, they're going to charge you. So let's say the rates to use the photographs I'm reading right now. It says the rates to use a photograph for the sign for incidental or commercial purposes range from zero, which would be, you know, just you taking a picture of it, waving, hey, I'm in Portland, um, for, or in up to $1,000, I'm thinking, or more, according to the video that was on their site. So the question to this group, Valerie, I'm going to throw it to you first because you're always bouncing around taking photos in different places and historic places. This kind of photography, I know this is not new because I went to, where am I at now? I have a tab open here for the Golden Gate Bridge um, and their instructions for filming and photography. And they charge, you know, if you want to take a photo of the Golden Gate Bridge, you have to pay. And if, you, if you're just there to do, you're shooting a wedding there or whatever, they don't charge you anything. But if you're planning on making money or you're doing a movie or something, the fees can go up to $7,500 or more for a half day shoot there at the Golden Gate Bridge. So is this right? Is this wrong, Valerie? What do you think? Well, um, well, for, for different reasons, you can actually, you're not allowed to publish any pictures of the Eiffel Tower at night. That's and uh, it's been like this for close to ten years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a little different because it's not about selling. It's actually you're not allowed to publish, whether it's on social media, your website, or a blog, an image of the Eiffel Tower when it's lit up. It's perfectly legal to 
publish the same image, the same subject during the day. The reason being is the um, the company that does the lighting show yeah. every night uh, has the copyrights uh, to the show. Interesting. And you're not allowed to. You have to ask permission, and there is a fee. I mean, how are they ever going to control that? Everybody posts pictures of the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it's so beautiful at night. Everybody takes pictures of it, and they're mm -hmm. published every day. I just don't know how, same here, how are they going to control this? Um, I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe it's so they, they can, since they've published this, they can harvest if they want to. So if they, if they say, hey, we're, we're short on revenue... You know, our sign showed up in that hit movie, or our, or, oh, yeah. or our sign showed up on Nicole's blog in some tutorial she was using that she's charging for. Let's go after her, you know. And I can see for big budget uh, productions, yeah, they could make money. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. but then, the same, you, they can. I was even denied. You know, the same principle goes to fireworks shows, um, where I, I hope, like, it was a simple. It was, a, I think, the Festival of Roses uh, here, or the Rose Festival in Portland last year and I posted an image it was it was a composite I took four different images of the camera was uh, stationary and I waited until there were four distinct shots and I composited them using layer masks yeah. so it was a it was a shot that the um, choreographer the, the and the pyrotechnicians could never have they never intended on it it wouldn't have been possible because it never existed mm -hmm. but I still got rejected from uh, Stoxy on that saying that it potentially could infringe on the uh, the uh, creative uh, copyright and license of the whoever organized that show. Because you know, in if you if you subscribe to the theory of the multiverse, that shot did happen yeah. somewhere. It's yeah. <laughs> where four different universes somehow there's a wormhole. You know, everything that could happen and can't happen has already happened. So that right. shot, you stole that shot, bro. <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting for the Eiffel Tower thing. I, I don't understand how you can deny people posting it anywhere. Because if you're standing on public property and you photograph something, you can use it editorially. or editorially. You can um, use it any way that's not commercial, basically. That's, I mean, the, I don't know French law, so I, maybe it's different yeah, there. And, and I went back and looked, and it says, cannot be published. So it's pretty vague, too. Do they mean published for money mm. yeah uh, but yeah, lawyers uh, lawyers love the love vague right yeah. because you can interpret it <laughs> however nobody, you want I mean, nobody pays attention to that um it's uh yeah. you know you're, you're a tourist you're, there there's just seems like there's this hundreds layer. of thousands of people every night watching the eiffel, the eiffel tower light show and they all taking pictures he has this like for photographers over the years i've noticed this trend of just small little like mm -hmm. Death by a thousand cuts, piranha bites yeah. of yeah. of the things that we can and can't do, just yeah. slowly being eroded away. Then when you look at things in aggregate, you're like, "Wow, I can't shoot there, I can't shoot there, I can't shoot in front of public buildings, I can't do this. No pictures that another somebody's kid might show up in. I can't pic take pictures of of you know landmarks. It just goes. I know. <laughs> it goes on. It's not a crime. Yeah, but and pretty even, soon even I can see I can see new cameras. I was thinking, what if they create new cameras that are government sanctioned, that they know the direction <laughs> that they're pointing in, and they automatically blur out things that you're not oh, supposed man. to be shooting. So you're like, hey, I got a shot of my toenail. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's scary. Well, what, one of the things that I thought was interesting in this this Portland story, they didn't even make an exception for news. They said, 
anyone planning to um, to use the sign for news stories, commercial filming, or photography. So, you know, you guys in the West Coast, you know, you always have these police chases, right? You know, bad guy <laughs> flying down the highway. Not news car- always. But, you know, Come on. Just, just to clarify, <laughs> almost every day. That's what it says in the news article. But if you actually go to the site, it says. Um, Wait a minute. Uh, la, 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 la. If you'd like to use an image of the sign for any sort of commercial purpose, such as licensing. So, so they just had it. I think they used the so wording. So the news story wrong. got it wrong. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is like. Well, any, that never happens. Think of, I, I believe, and uh, Brian is here so he can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I live in Portland and I've heard the story of the sign. It was actually a, a sign for a business. The city of Portland bought it and then they put Portland, Oregon on it. Mm-hmm. So they, they own it. You could con- classify it as a piece of art. So in that term, you know, in that regard, I mean, I think it's kind of silly personally because it is like the it's what you see. You see it's lit up. Everybody sees it. If you live in Portland, if you've been to Portland, you see it. Um, but, yeah, it makes sense. You know, if you're going to use it commercially. Know. I don't know if it does. It just seems it, it seems like that's a slippery slope because it seems like if you go if you say you're in New York City, almost everything that you look at there is iconic. Right. Yeah. I mean, OK, I'm standing in front of the Eiffel, you know, not the, Eiffel, the, the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. Do I need to get permission to take pictures of that, or I'm, you know? In... Well, that's another thing. Like, does it have to be the main focus? If I have a city scene of Portland and that has to be happens to be the small little dot, can I sell that photo? Can I license that photo commercially? You know, it's it's, it's kind of like how are they gonna? What how are, are they gonna even try to get people for this if you use it incorrectly and not unintentionally? Or yeah. would I have to pay a hundred dollars because I'm a small business? In order to do something like that, Maybe. or what I mean, I they could stick, you know, they could stick somebody like they could stick somebody like Ten Eye on the internet looking for that image mm-hmm. and automatically generate bills. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <now>. <laughs> this is, Hopefully, because it's a government things. agency that they won't try too hard. Though. Right, right. I'm giving them ideas. They're, they're they're clearly within the illegal rights. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. nothing. At least I don't see anything illegal about it. But I'm not being a lawyer, but it really has the feel of. Another one of those really slimy little government mm-hmm. money grabs, you know, where mm-hmm. we're short of money, the economy's bad. Hey, I got an idea. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah. I wish they yeah, would let's, do that. Let's charge for signs and end White House tours. How about that? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're going to save so much money on White House tours. Uh, I don't know. Oh, boy. What Valerie, a what's, a, what's a good rule of thumb for for? people that are say you at a workshop you know you're traveling you're in a different city you're in normandy you're in, in paris or something um and there's something iconic in the background so you're in london and you know buckingham palace is in the background do you need to get permission these days i mean even if you're dis- even if you say you know what? i'm shooting this and i'm making art i'm gonna make giant prints of this and i'm gonna sell them on my website if you're well, doing that what, what's the rule of thumb if there's if there's no sign in front of the building that says it with a little camera crossed, I've you know it's fair game. I'm I think it's ridiculous. So Valerie Valerie says no, go for it. Plus, Nicole? And actually, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, and, and actually, on my workshop, I always teach people, uh, my students, to to photograph their own iconic images of of those landmarks, and uh, and never to take a picture of like the Eiffel Tower, the way you see it when you close your eyes, basically, but to shoot it in a reflection or in a puddle or in a car rearview mirror or something that's outside, you know, thinking outside the postcard. And actually, I just wrote an article uh, about that last week uh, because it's a lot more exciting. I mean, you don't want to come back from your vacation with pictures that look like the postcards you could have bought at the airport. So try to think outside the box. And um, so maybe that would be 
That would be totally acceptable if you have just a reflection of that sign in Portland in a puddle, for example. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, you can I say, sue the puddle. puddle. Don't sue me. Sue the, the puddle. I didn't see the sign. I just photographed the puddle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Nicole, what about you? What's your rule of them? You're selling it as a print? Yep. Then you're fine. That's my opinion. I don't think you, I don't think there are any limits to selling prints of anything. If it's sold as art, yeah. commercial is a different story. Oh, interesting. So you get take a shot of it, then run a little, run one of your presets on it to change it a little bit, and then <laughs> well, you, <laughs> then it's yours. Still, it's it's Shepard Fairy. It's yours at that point. Right? It's like street photography. Um, if you're using it for editorial purposes or for fine art, you don't need a model release mm-hmm. in yeah. most places. I mean, some some countries have different laws, but uh, but if you're going to use it to sell a product, yeah, then you'll need a model release. So. Um, for pr- yeah, for print, I yeah, no yeah. problem. Mr. McPherson, what about you? You're uh, you're out and abroad, and you you find a, a giant elk in front of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> and you you have to get the shot, and you're going to oh, sell it. Global warming, man! It must be global warming. <laughs> They've migrated. So, so, <laughs> so I have this fantasy, right? We're going to form a company, the, the four of us, right? And what we're going to do? We're going to get financing. And we are going to negotiate with every landlord in New York City, and we're going to buy the outer one nanometer of every building. So whenever anybody takes a photograph of New York City, wham, we get royalties. Nice. Huh? What, a, what a spectacle. That'd be great. This is a great business. You guys that, that might work. I'm in. I'm in. So, Three-dimensional real estate there, right? Airspace. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, no, I think... Yeah, I, I think... Um, when I'm out shooting, there is very little that we have to worry about. Even if somebody wanted to use it commercially, um, you know, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, we're there. We have permits. We can shoot. Um, we go to Florida. We shoot the tropical birds. We can shoot. Nobody really has. Um, well, I shouldn't give anybody any any ideas, but nobody really has copyright um, registration over the animals, and that's between. Animals and things like foliage—it's just not a—it's not a an issue in my particular world, and I would like to keep it that way. Love it, love it. All right, well, this next story—I'm the—I'm the king of segues, and this—I'm going to segue this next story into this first story by saying, "What if you had a drone, <laughs> and, or a, a a UAV as they're called, unmanned aerial vehicle, and you put a GoPro on it, and you went and took photos of the." Of of a building like Empire of the White Stag sign, or yeah, yeah, exactly the stag <laughs> sign. You know, exactly. I don't know. Anyway, so bad segue. So this next story, <laughs> this next story, the FAA has grounded a Minnesota-based aerial photography company, a company called Flyboys Aerial Cine- Cinematography. Um, their fleet, their UAV fleet, and I'm I'm purposely skipping around the word zone or drone because I was schooled on that. So drones apparently are autonomous aerial vehicles that you can say, hey, go do this, and they go do it, and they come back on their own. UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, are ones that you're controlling remotely, like a, uh, like a you know, hmm. helicopter or whatever, that, you, that somebody is somewhere else in the world or within several feet of this thing controlling it. So we're talking about UAVs here. And, and the FAA grounded the cinematography's UAV fleet because they're not going to be issuing permits for commercial use of these things until 2015 and even then 
they're not sure how it's going to go and what they're going to, how much they're going to cost and what the limitations of them are going to be. So to put it in perspective, what this means is if you're a hobbyist and you buy one of those phantom uh, UAVs and you strap your GoPro on and you're flying it around taking photos of things that you're legally allowed to take photos of. <clears throat> whatever so that is. Whatever that is, yeah. So you're flying around taking photos of things. As a hobbyist, you're clear. But if... Charles, if you say, hey, Frederick, I need you to go, Charlie, if you say, Frederick, I need you to go take some photos of me, uh, you know, of me at work. I'm going to pay you $100 to do it, or I'm sorry, $1,000 to do it. <laughs> Price went up. <laughs> that, that didn't take long. <laughs> you know, it's all positioning. It's price positioning. And that's illegal. So I can't do that, you know, if you're paying me to do that. So this company, they were going on strong. They were doing lots of real estate photography and that sort of thing. And FAA came in and said, no, stop. You're grounded. You're not doing this. Can't do it until maybe 2015. Charlie, what do you think about this? Is this, you know, oh, I mean, so setting that whole stage, does, you know, I'm not even going to guide the witness. What do you think? I, I think this probably has its genesis in not wanting my creepy neighbor to get the little UAV with a GoPro and come flying into the bedroom window or hovering outside looking in. People use that, people use that <clears throat> argument all the time, and the, the response to that is, if your neighbor wanted to peek in your window, he's going to peek in your window. He's going to get a telescope, he's going to get a ladder or something. Right, right. right. But I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, I think Technology's not going to make it easier for him. But that, that's probably where the genesis of this thing is. Yeah. But, but hard cases make bad law. In fact, there's a, there's a law that was proposed in New Hampshire that addresses this. And what they're saying is it prevents shooting anything, shooting from anything not supported by the ground. Right? So Wait. any anything <laughs> what, that's What is not, that? Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, right. Like so what, it's, Wait, exactly. Shooting you anything you cannot, not... You cannot shoot, you cannot take images from from anything that is not supported by the ground if that thing shows humans or, get this, okay, I want you to hold on to your seat, ready? Or man-made items that are identifiable. So don't jump that while you is the, the That's exactly what I said. Right, if you're on a trampoline, at the bottom of the jump, you can take a shot, but heaven forbid, you, you know, one, one inch off the trampoline, you can't shoot. Who comes up with this stuff? Oh, not supported by the ground. You can get a ground. kite there and attach a... it to the ground with a GoPro, well, and technically you. you're okay, right? right? Okay. Well, so now, supported. how about this? How about this? So, now, what's supported? Is your is your UAV supported by the radio waves? Aren't you supporting that vehicle in a mm, maybe a meta sense? Maybe. Well, yeah. I so mean, what? You can, what you is can get into all kinds of science around right? that. Yeah. So my opinion is this: this legislator needs to be taken to the legislative woodshed. <laughs> is, is there like a big fuzz over New Hampshire on Google Earth then? Well, it's exactly it's one of the things. Exactly. Yes. Right. Wow. Of course, there are always exceptions for the government. So the government satellites can take pictures, but the Google satellites can't take pictures. Although the well, Google's bigger than the government in many ways. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The government's probably borrowing Google pictures as it, as it is. So this is the just, government is asking Google for permission to do. It's like I, I know. I, I think I know what they were trying to accomplish, and they took the concept and just butchered it. This well, is, that's an illustration a, of how it's abysmal. How. Come twenty because twenty fifteen is going to be here in a minute, right? So it's just going to be insanity trying to get politicians and lawyers and mm. artists <laughs> to agree on right. what can and can't be done, especially you know with with the military involved and then you know so it's 
It's the uh, law of unintended consequences. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Valerie, what's, what's the worst that can happen here? All of our rights with regards to UAVs will be taken away. <laughs> well, I, you said 2015 is right around the corner, but not for those guys. It's going to be way too late. I mean, they, have, they must have a lot invested in that company because yeah. those, those are not cheap, I oh, imagine. Yeah. I mean, they look pretty uh, heavy duty. Oh, those um, things are really expensive. The Consumer yeah. Phantom, which I think is one of the smarter consumer level ones, and that's what eight or nine hundred dollars just for the yeah, and I'm the, sure they have the several. unit itself without a camera on it. Yeah. 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 So these are two young guys who started a company here in Minnesota, and um, and they're grounded. I mean, they they that's all they were doing, and I, I think that's great. I sh- I shot um, real estate photography for quite a while, and it's hard enough to to convince the 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 real estate professional that better pictures will actually sell the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they have this business, they, they're doing aerial photography, which used to cost tons because you, you had to uh, rent an aircraft and a pilot yeah. in the past to do aerial a photography. Helicopter. For... And it's dangerous. You're going to have a giant <laughs> exactly. helicopter hovering in a residential neighborhood. Right? And so now they have those tiny little devices that can, that can fly over a house and, and shoot um, footage and now they're they're grounded. I mean that's kind of sad for those guys because they they're not going to make it. I mean they can't wait two years. Yeah, Nicole, UAVs and and come 2015. What what what's going to happen? I mean just I, I don't even know. You know I actually just did had my first experience um, doing any type of aerial photography in uh, Australia. We got Ooh. a little helicopter ride at the Twelve Apostles. So I but. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know uh, what to think of this and how it's going to impact people. And I'm curious how many other commercial businesses are out there that are, like, worried that it's going to all of a sudden hit home for them and they're going to be out of a job. But it almost it seems kind of unfair that they would all of a sudden just decide, well, you don't have a, you know, we're going to put your business on hold until 2015. You know, you think they could make some exceptions, look yeah. at the business model and have them approve it at, mm-hmm. you know, individual levels because it's not like they're running a spy operation. I mean, really, what can you see with a wide-angle lens at, you know, like, a, I don't know what a, if they're probably using GoPros or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like they have a 500-millimeter lens and they're flying in close enough to see small details of things. They're probably yeah. getting a better quality version of, of Google Maps, you know, to to sh- to, to have, have people are hiring them to do, like, aerial photos, like I said, for real estate. Um, it just—it's silly that they're not allowing it. So well, they're doing—they're doing some pretty high-quality things because the 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 UAVs that they're using are like industrial strength things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're carrying DSLRs up there, yeah. you but know, still, and, I mean, how, and shooting that kind of footage. If, like you said, if if you want to peek in on your neighbor, you're going to mm-hmm. get right up there and and <laughs> or use yeah, a no, telescope across. You, you know, various issues. If you, you're going to invest fifteen grand or whatever, right. even fifteen hundred, <laughs> and, and in all this gear. <laughs> You know, it's like I want to spy on people, and I'm just going to cover it with. I'm going to spy on neighbors. I'm going to use a. Oh, the neighbor cover. better be worth it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the neighbor doesn't have a BB gun, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't know. This it, 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 this stuff's kind of scares me. It makes me like want to go quickly get a U, get a UAV and start flying it because I feel like soon they're going to be illegal. You know, you won't be able to get them on Amazon anymore. There will be like one or two states that keep them legal, so everybody will flock there, you know, and use them there. I know, I know. But then you can still use them if you go to like a club, and you can put a camera on your, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, on your device. Well, it's it's not commercial. It's commercial use, right? So yeah, yeah, you'll be able to fly them as a as a consumer or as a hobbyist or whatever. But if you 
decide that you want to start generating income from this, then not so much. So you can take pictures in your neighbor's window, but if you sell those pictures, now you have a licensing problem. (laughs) Okay, I see how this is going. (laughs) Uh, What's it called when when you have an expectation of privacy? (laughs) Wow. Wow. Ceiling, you know. Oh boy. So only only amateur horn dogs can fly (laughs) UAVs. If you're a professional. Horn dog, stay away from the UAVs or the FAA will you know, come I, after you. I want, I want a, a UAV that'll carry that. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. No one's gonna right? fly with that. It's, on a, it's only 22 pounds, so exactly, it's not that much. If well, Charles, I would tell you logistically, if you want to take something close up, <laughs> why don't you just walk over to it? Yeah, spread the fly. Like, Let me see how far I can get away from right. it and put a long lens so I can get closer. Right. He wants the lens. Yeah. Compression, okay. You know, oh, right, right. Completely blur the concrete. Post production. Do it. Thirteen thousand dollar lens on a UAV. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Fly it over water. That's right. Oh sure. Make sure it's salt water. Wow, it's crazy stuff. Lots of cool um, stuff happening though. All this stuff is crazy. Okay, guys, before we continue, I want to uh, give a nod to our sponsor. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high quality website blog or online portfolio. Squarespace, um, they're designed to give mobile users the best experience, and they developed a bunch of new templates that are mobile-ready, Valerie. So when you deploy your site, it'll, they call it responsive design, or designers call it responsiveness. So when you someone views your site on an alternative device like a phone or a tablet or whatever, the site intelligently resizes itself to look great on whatever is whatever uh, device is looking at it. And when you upload images to your site, say you're putting a banner image on there or you're doing a blog post, whatever, and you drop an image in there, it will, or in Charles's case, a square image on there, it will size, <laughs> it will size the image. It will make seven different versions of that image so that it, you know, it, so if you're looking on a small device, you don't need a gigantic image and then have it scaled down. It'll only deliver the bits that are needed. It's fast. Squarespace is fast. It's easy. So they've got a 100% drag and drop user interface. So as you're sitting in there, they have this thing called the layout engine. It's their page builder tool that allows you just sit back, relax with your glass of wine, and drag in blocks of content like photos, videos, text, social media, all that stuff, and preview it as you go. And then just sort of, you know, have fun, build it. You can integrate Instagram, Foursquare, Google+, Dropbox, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all these sites. You can integrate them into your own little home on the internet. So it's really cool. You can check it out. You can get a free trial. Just head over to squarespace.com slash twip. This TWIP. You can sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. You can try it out. Start building your website. Then if you decide you want to use it or you want to purchase it, use the offer code TWIP3. That's TWIP3 for March. And you'll get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. This includes monthly and annual plans. At squarespace.com, use the offer code TWIP3. Now, Valerie, you're building your site. You say you're going to launch it next week? How's it going? I'm hoping, yes. I started two days ago, and um, it's going well. No more coding or anything. It's wonderful. It's it's the drag and drop. I can actually do the ad for you now because I've (laughs) used all this. Take it away, Valerie. And the customer service has been amazing. I mean, I was working at 5 this morning. Granted, it was 6 a.m. in New York, but I I had a question, and uh, within five minutes, I had my answer. 
That's cool. That was, that's pretty cool. You know, that's so cool. it's twenty four seven, I think. Yeah. Actually, and the longest, and I've had a few questions in the past two days. Uh, I think the longest I had to wait was twenty minutes for and an answer, and I'm doing it on online. When you're ready to flick the switch, where is the site going to be? It's it's the same. It's going to be the same address, valeriejardinphotography.com. I'm just going to figure out how to <laughs> put the address on the new site, but I'll get Call I'll send them, up. them another question. <laughs> They will tell you, they'll walk you through it. That's so great. sadly, I'm leaving Smug Mug, which um, I had um, I had a customized Smug Mug website, which looks beautiful. It just um, doesn't allow me to have as many text pages like for my webs for my workshops. As oh, it's, right. It's right. pretty much all photography, and the the amount of text I could have on the Smug Mug customized page was very limiting. So. Uh -huh. I thought SmugMug and Squarespace were integrated now in some way. I don't use Squarespace. So I'm not. Yes, you can. You can integrate your your SmugMug gallery into the Squarespace, oh, okay. Squarespace account. Yeah, but right now my my entire website is actually a cust customized SmugMug site. Cool. So. So all right, well, we'll keep an eye out for that and let us know when it goes live so we can tell folks about it. Okay, if it looks good. <laughs> if it looks I'll good. Cross my fingers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> looks good so far. That's the beauty of it. You can actually. Click and in a fraction of a second, you you see the finished product as you're it's working that, on it. As so you go, that's it. As you go, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Now, being Squarespace, are all the pictures square? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I think you have a title for the show. It's hip to be square. That's the title. Yeah, it's it's cool to be square. <laughs> It's a hip. Oh, what was the other thing? Homie, don't play that or something. Yeah, that was, that was before we went on air, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's get through these listener questions. This is a segment where we answer questions that have been at the top of some of our listeners' minds. The first question is from Evgeny Karam, and he says, I was wondering what photographers use to charge their AA batteries. Are there any special chargers for... 12 to 20 batteries that can charge them in three to four hours. How heavy are those chargers? Um, I'm going to throw this to, uh, let's see, Charles, because you're always out and about, but you're not really using double A's out in the wilderness, right? Well, believe it or not, <clears throat> and I, I don't usually admit this in polite company, I, I do a little bit of portraiture, so I do have a few of the Canon speed lights, and um, I have a recommendation for them. I, I don't have anything that charges 12 to 20, but I do have something that charges 8 and it's a Maha MH-C801D. That's a really catchy name. Uh, that, they 60, need a marketing person. <laughs> they really do. Uh, it's, it's 68 bucks on Amazon right now. The thing that makes it good, and I would look for a, a charger with this characteristic, is that it has eight individual charging bays. Hmm. What that means is it'll stop charging each battery when that battery reaches full charge. The cheaper ones will have a single charging circuit that all the batteries sit in, and what the, most of them will do oh. is they'll... Oh, hi, Doug. <laughs> we, we just have a nice, a nice visit here from, uh, from the puppy in the background. Yeah. Um, so, well, most... Wow. That's oh. a... Don't, oh, poor, don't poor hurt puppy. the dog, Nicole. <laughs> Nicole, did you, did you roll over his tail? Oh no! For the listeners, so, Nicole just picked up the dog by its collar and no. put it. In. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so normal, and he just so back back to business. The, the cheaper the cheaper single circuit chargers will charge until the first battery gets fully charged. Then it shuts off. That means all the other the weaker batteries don't get fully charged. So 
Um, that's that's what I would look for. The Maha makes a good one, and it uh, it even has a reconditioning circuit. It will drain the batteries completely, then do a full charge cycle to equalize them all so they're all in the same charge state. Got it. Got it. And what's well. the, what what what's the product name? The the company name is Maha M A H A. The Maha. model number is M as in Mary H dash C eight zero one D. Okay, we'll we'll have to list that in the, the blog post for this episode. Valerie, Nicole, do you guys have any 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 tips on charging AA batteries? Nope. No. No, Not I really? don't use enough to. Really I don't need a recharging. Your your charging AA batteries means stop by Target and pick up some new AA batteries. <laughs> awesome. All right. So question number two is from Greg Havens. He, uh, his question comes in from Google+. Plus. He says he's going to Kenya in April on a 15-day safari. He's got a Canon T3 with a 70 to 300 mil lens, an 18 to 55 IS, the kit lens, and seven 16-gigabyte cards. And he's wondering, is there anything else that he absolutely needs to take with him? So, And then he, his, his follow-up question is, how does he manage the day of shooting? Does he keep shooting on a card and then swap out a new card or does he should he be downloading every night and then start fresh the next day what do you guys think let's let's go to you charles first because you're um, you may have been to kenya already do what what do you do when you're out on an extended trip like he's going on this 15 day safari how should he manage his data i go to the school of you almost cannot have enough backups um my working library is let's see back uh oh. Uh oh. I think he should have backed up his video stream because Charles just froze. Oh no, he's right in the middle of it. All right, well, we're trying to get Charles back. Uh, and I should be calling him Charlie because he likes to be called Charlie. I'm so formal. Nicole, um, let's go to you. So if you're traveling, you're on one of your, you know, you're in Australia, mm -hmm. how do you manage your data? Well, I, the way I did. I just did it when I was in Australia and when I travel, um, I use a portable hard drive. So I have, I have my camera and my cards and then mm -hmm. I have uh, my MacBook and I just have a MacBook Air 11, 11 inch Air. It doesn't have a ton of a hard drive space, just enough for a, a trip, you know, with throwing tons and tons of gigs of data onto it. And then I have um, these small uh, Western digital, it's in a little case logic case here, a uh, little passport hard drives. And I have two of these. So what I do is I, import into Lightroom, and while I'm importing into Lightroom on my main computer, so just onto my laptop, I run a backup so that it doubles and it duplicates all of the images onto a small little hard drive. And these things are great because all you do is just, uh, it comes with a small little cord, um, and you just plug it right into your computer. You don't need any external power. Yep. So they're really, they're, they're meant for trips like this. So while I'm doing all this and traveling, I have everything in at least two places. Sometimes images are still left on the cards, but I usually shoot too much. I even have 32 gig cards, and that's not enough for, for what I shoot. Yeah. Uh, so I have things in at least two places. And then right before I get on the plane and leave, I do a complete backup of from one hard drive to another a similar uh, Western Digital little passport drive. Uh, so that way I have all of my images in three places. I have them on my computer. And then I put one of the little hard drives in one of my other carry-ons and then one of the other hard drives into my check-in bag. So I have three, everything's in three places and each individual thing is in three different bags. So that way I'm pretty much set. Something catastrophic would have to happen for me to lose my information. So, so that's usually what, that's how I do things when I travel. 
Now, do you do you try to back up to the cloud at all before you make the trek back home? No, I, I mean the only stuff that's going into the cloud is things that I have shared online because okay. there's you know we had internet throughout at the hotels that we were at you know in, in Australia, but it's still not good enough to upload that many photos at you know it's just it's just when I photograph a full card, that's 16 to 32 gigabytes of data. There's yeah. no way that that's going to get up on. And, and then, you know, you have to pay for all that extra storage on, in the cloud mm. anyway, so I don't even bother with it. Yeah. yeah. Charles, you're, you're Charlie. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I keep calling you Charles because I'm so formal here, but you like, to be, you like to go by Charlie, right? I do. I was not going to call you on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do is start calling me Fred, and I would get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. okay. Well, I'm back. So, okay, my, so, my internet connection had a heart attack. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So you wanna? So you were? What were you saying? So you were gonna fill us in on your your storage sort of backup yeah, data management. Yeah. So I've trust. got. Um, so my working library is backed up. Uh, there are three mirrors running in different towns. Uh, there's a three terabyte time machine over here. I back up my MacBook library a couple more times, and I just started using Backblaze. So I have backups all over the place. I think Nicolzi was just talking about. Uh, the, I came in towards the end of that, and in the field. I download my data every night to an external hard drive. I copy it to another external hard drive. I use a thing called a color space UDMA, which I probably have right here. Um, it's a little card reader with a built-in laptop hard drive. So mm. I, I then have three copies. Once, when I'm in the field, they're never, ever in the same place. One's wow. in my pocket, one's in my laptop bag, one's in my suitcase. So that kind of backup is critical. I'm I'm hearing three is a magic number here. So have you yeah. ever have you lost data where you were like, okay, I'm ah, so glad I had three. Yes, yes, I had um, about a year ago. I had a um, Apple has a great term for this. They call it an unauthorized dismount. I love it. <laughs> what it what it means is I was across the room and I looked over at my MacBook Pro and it said, "You unplugged this drive without ejecting it properly." No, I didn't. I wasn't, wasn't even here. Well, I had a hard drive that failed. Well, it didn't fail. It just dropped its FireWire connection. I plugged it back in. Everything seemed to be fine, but it wasn't. And um, I, had, I had a corruption in the library where 17,000 images all had the same name. Uh, most of them were shown then in duplicate, and all the XF data was missing. Ouch. I didn't notice it right away. If you give it a casual glance, it all looked good. So I said, oh, I better back this up real quick. I backed it up. Hey, guess what? Now I own two corrupted libraries. Mm. <clears throat> I had not backed it up to my third mirror. I had a good mirror left, and I restored everything from that. That was a day I went out and got the three terabyte time machine. Let, that, dodged, let that be a lesson to you, people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I dodged a big fat bullet that had my name on it. So yeah. it was close. So that's why I'm a little bit nuts about backups. Well, Valerie, but, you're, um, out, you're 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 out and about from time to time as well, right? And how do you, how do you manage your data? Um, exactly the same as those guys, uh, as Nicole um, was saying. I, I don't use the cloud backup when I'm traveling either for the same reasons because it takes a, a lot of time, but I do that once I get home. And I think it's important to, to also keep things in separate places. And um, if you have your laptop and your backup drive at the hotel or wherever, um, just have your, your memory cards in a different location. Like yeah. with you, um, and never format anything until everything is backed up at home and in the cloud. Um, 
And if there is a card error and that happened to um, one of my workshop participants in San Diego and <laughs> we get to the processing part, the, the classroom, the last afternoon of the workshop and she puts the card in her computer and nothing. Mm. And, uh, but oh. don't format, don't format. She was able to retrieve it with a, a soft a recovery software and everything was fine, but oh, that was disheartening for her. Um, so don't for, yeah. He, and I, I can't see why he wouldn't uh, use their his cards to you know, until they're full. I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. I usually go to the last picture, so I don't see a problem with that. I don't know why he would want to start fresh in the morning if he still has space on his 16 gig. Mm -hmm. I would use it up. The only yeah, comment, <clears throat> if I can make a comment on that, in in wildlife situations, when I see him getting close. I'll I'll switch the card out because the moment that miss. you get to the very last image, you know that's when the you know two elephants whip out a deck of playing cards and <laughs> pinochle. Or... Yeah, I agree. You know, I use yeah. like I said, I I use really large cards, either sixteen or now I'm kind of pushing. I think I have a couple of thirty-two gigs. So I rare when I'm when I'm shooting at home, I'm usually either doing landscape shoots or I'm doing food, and I I have so few photographs for each of those you know, sessions that I, I never get close to filling my card. So oftentimes my brain, I don't even think, oh, my card's going to run out eventually when I'm traveling because it, it rarely does. So I don't even think to check it. So I never ran into the, you know, I, I, I had never, you know, ran into any occasion where I ran out of it and I had to quickly swap it out. But I, the way that I do it is every night or every chance that I get to dump my, my photos, I do. And then I usually will format the card afterwards because I'll have them in two places. Um, so I'm not really worried about it. But that's, I mean, that's just how I do things just because I'm sometimes in those situations where, you know, like we were in a, we had a flock of like 700 sheep like running around us and circling us. And that's one of those wow. moments that you don't want to be Ooh, like. wildlife. All I, yeah, wildlife. <laughs> like, you know, it's like I didn't even have my cards on me. All I had was one camera, one lens. So if my card ran out, I would have just stood there and used my Cried. iPhone probably. But, you know, I would have been out of luck really, so. There's yeah. one other well, thing he needs. Um, he's going 8,000 miles from home with a T3. He needs, mm -hmm. at the very least, he needs another T3 or preferably yeah. a 7D or a 1DX or something. Good but point. Good I would point. never go 8,000 miles from home with one body. Yeah. And he walks from home yeah. with one body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots of good places you could rent that gear. Mm -hmm. um, one of my sponsors is Lens Pro to go. There's, uh, there's also, what, lens rentals, borrow lenses. Borrow yeah. lenses, yeah. There's yeah. a million of them out there. That's yeah. Ew. So one, one yeah, thing I would I'm be more worried about on, that. On yeah. Valerie, what you were saying is with when you're formatting cards, if you accidentally format a card um, or if you accidentally delete a bunch of images, let's say, from your, your card, they're not typically gone at that point. So what, well, what's, what's happening is the, the disk itself or the operating system in the camera is basically just saying this space where those images lived is free to be overwritten, mm -hmm. but there's data still there. It doesn't okay. physically go through and delete them. So in many cases, you can go back with recovery software and say, you know, whatever's on that sector of the disk, I want that to be readable now, and it'll flip it back to being visible unless you formatted or taken pictures over it where it's overwritten that data. Yeah. So, so, so that's before it's formatted. Once correct. it's formatted, it's lost, right? That's what once, I thought. Yeah. Once it's formatted, yeah. even then, sometimes when you format a disk, it doesn't actually go through and erase the disk. It just flips a bit at the top of the disk that says, okay, everything on this drive can be overwritten okay. and make it appear as zero. 
So you think it's been overridden, but the data is still there. Which, like, when you if you sell a computer and you think you formatted the hard drive, <laughs> you really didn't format the hard drive. You just flipped the bit. Somebody could get that computer and say, "Yeah, let's see what they think they deleted off of this computer." Yeah. You see all those pictures looking in your neighbor's window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Square formats, you know. <laughs> so, guys, let's uh, let's blow through this real quick. Um, let's get into the picks of the week real quick. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to share. This is where. Our guests can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP audience as long as it is somehow related to photography. Charlie, I'm going to throw it to you first because you're the new guy here. What is your pick of the week? It's good to be fresh meat. <laughs> we, in the military, so, we call you the FNG, and I won't right, I'll let you right, figure right. that out. <laughs> uh, the, the fat new guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. I've actually lost um, 20 pounds. I'm, I'm oh, wow. Anyway, <laughs> I had a leg amputated. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm just kidding. No. I know. Um, so my pick of the week is this little device here. This is Remember, a Hoodman... we're audio. You have to describe it. <laughs> just getting there. <laughs> this is the Hoodman Loop. The and Hoodman Loop. Is, this is sort of a pyramid-shaped device with a lens on one end that you plunk over your LCD on the back of your camera mm-hmm. when you want to chimp. And if you're out in the bright sunlight and you've suffered that... Um, intolerable glare and the, you know, the sunlight washes out your LCD and you're not quite sure what you shot. You plunk this little thing right down over the LCD, stick your eye up against it, and it's even got a little diopter. It magnifies the image so you can get a good look and see whether you actually get critical focus or not. Nice. Honestly, when they first came out, I thought it was a gimmick, and um, I thought it was the latest shiny toy that all the cool kids were buying. And then somebody brought one in a workshop, and I got to use it. <laughs> And then you bought uh, one. <laughs> uh, didn't take very long. So, yeah, nice. it's great. Uh, it's a great little toy. What are we looking at price wise? About eighty bucks. Okay, but yeah. they last forever, right? I have I've um, got loops that I've had for decades. Yeah, you'd have to run this over with a tank or something. Yeah, it's pretty indestructible. Love it. Yeah. Cool. All right, the hood and loop. Can I can I give you a bonus number two? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm I'm um, I'm a little on the diabetic side, and being living in the Northeast, I'm kind of near the Boston area. Uh, it gets cold, and we've had a really tough winter, especially this year. The, the circulation in my hands and, and feet really doesn't, it's not really what it should be. So when I'm out shooting in the winter, I pay a physical price. My wife got me for Christmas from um, Gerbing's Heated Clothing, heated gloves and heated sock liners. I cannot tell you how much fun these are. I, I actually went out and did an elk shoot in January in north-central Pennsylvania, trudging through the snow. Normally, my feet would have turned into blocks of ice. I turned little batteries on, and they warmed my little toes up, and my fingers didn't freeze. It was really great. So the company is Gerbings, uh, and the, I think the website is singular, Gerbing, G-E-R-B-I-N-G.com. This stuff, if you're a diabetic and shooting in the cold, or you just don't like the cold, this stuff is, it's, it'll, it'll extend your shooting day by hours that's a great tip that's a great tip i'm going to use that when i go back home to chicago because it's it's a uh, great christmas present (laughs) yeah yeah that's very cool they need to make those gloves that you know some of the gloves that you can buy have the uh the fingertips on them that are they allow you to you know what is it capacitive touch you're able to to operate your iphone or smartphone or whatever heated gloves that have that capability (laughs) with also an lcd on the back so i can check my email The LCD would be square, though. There you go. I could wear that with my Google my Google glasses. And, you know, I'd be, uh, you know, a RoboCop. All right, Nicole, what is your pick of the week? 
My pick is one I just already mentioned is the Western Digital My Passport uh, little hard drives. They're nice. less than a hundred dollars and for a one terabyte drive. So I use those too. I swear by yeah. those. Those are perfect. Yep. Love it. Less than a hundred bucks? Wait a minute. I paid yeah. more than that. Yep. The one that I have <laughs> yep. is well they have seventy they're I'm looking on Amazon and it's seventy nine dollars and depending on the color you get. It's either yeah. seventy nine dollars or eighty nine dollars. So Yeah, I think I got mine about a year ago, so you know how things yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much more affordable now. Yep. Cool. All right. Perfect pick. And Valerie Jardin, what is your pick of the week? Uh, it's uh, a book, and it's Vivian Mayer, street photographer. You know, the photographer who was, well, they discovered her work after she died. Of course. Um, yeah. And um, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, to me, it's not so much amazing that she wasn't uh, trained as a photographer. Uh, most street photographers are just... Uh, learn on their own but that she actually never shared her work she never even looked at most of her work and that she never even was out with other photographers shooting like we do photo walks now she did all this on her own and uh and never never shared so it's it's beautiful it's um i mean those images are just unreal it's she's definitely one of the one of the greats cool all right so, well we'll put that link and it's, it's under 30 dollars at um at Amazon, and it's a beautiful coffee table book. Love it, love it. The world needs more coffee table books. I feel like they're kind of dwindling yeah. away. The lost art of the coffee table book. All right, yeah, you should write a coffee table book about it. I <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's like a Seinfeld thing, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the coffee table. A coffee table book about coffee table books. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think you should do that and put it in the your store, Nicole. <laughs> My store, but it, it wouldn't be a coffee table book. It'd be an ebook. But you could sell physical goods out of your store. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> atoms? No. I'm not way. selling atoms. <laughs> deal with tax and all that. No way. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Quickly, my pick of the week is um, the MacBook Pro 13-inch Retina. It's my new computer that I'm actually using for this show for the first time. Um, so I just got it. And the reason I got it is I did this thing with CNET um, last week where they gave me a MacBook. They lent me a MacBook Pro 13-inch Retina to play with for what was like a week or so just to sort of figure out how it, how a photographer would use it. So I took it on a couple of shoots with me. They then, uh, and they followed me around with a camera crew shooting a model in San Francisco, and I imported the images into this thing. Basically, you're trying to see if it would, would replace my 15-inch Retina um, and what I'd be giving up. And the main thing that you give up is the thing, this, the 13 inch is limited to eight gigabytes of RAM, whereas the, the larger one can go to 16, what I had in it. And frankly, I didn't really notice that much of a difference in terms of speed, because I wasn't doing heavy video editing and all that stuff on it, but it was great. I love it. The, the, the weight of it is more akin to the MacBook Air, so it feels easier to sort of whip around. It's like a tool and not this computer that you're lugging around and flipping the screen open and you're... You know, now I'm working. It's just like a little little tool. And then the second piece of this is, oh, then I gave CNET their computer back, and then I liked it so much I went and got one. So now I have one. And the I got a 12 South book arc for it. And it's a little stand for the MacBook Air or for the MacBook 13 that it just sort of slips into it and holds it vertically on your desk so that it frees up desk space and it keeps air flowing around the unit, and it keeps the 
SD slot photographer facing forward so I can just plug SD cards in it and roll while it's plugged into my, my larger display. So those are my two picks. Love them, and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I finally got a – I feel like I found the sweet spot because I went from the, the 11-inch MacBook Air, which was great, very light, but too, just a little bit too small, and I went to the 15-inch Retina, which was too big, and Goldilocks, now I'm on the 13. <laughs> the 13 is just right. <laughs> The 13 is just right. I love it. So I'm happy with it. I'm a geek in love with his toys. And uh, that's it. That's my pick of the week. Okay, guys, we're at the end of the show. We went a little bit longer than I wanted to go. Uh, Charlie McPherson, where can people go to find out more about the stuff that you're involved in, your workshops, and all that magic? Uh, everything in my little universe is at theamazingimage.com. Theamazingimage.com. How'd you get that domain name? That's cool. <laughs> oh, man, I worked for weeks uh, I, oh, I had you should have seen I had three sheets eight and a half by eleven just stacked up with possible names and all the good ones were already taken so I got this <laughs> there you go perfect I love it but I, a, I like it that is a really good name yeah it's a Thank perfect you. brand alright and thanks for being on the show I appreciate it thanks for having me it's great being with you guys Man. I really enjoyed it hopefully you'll come back again if, you, if we weren't too harsh I hope you'll invite me I definitely will. All right, Nicole Young, what's your pick of the or what's your uh, where can my pick of the I'm, week? Is my I'm, looking, I'm looking. I'm looking in the show notes like two levels back. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. where can people go to find out more about your pick of the week, Nicole? You can go to nicolez.com and you can find me everywhere else from there. It's N I C O L E S Y. Awesome, Nicolezy and Valerie Jardin. Where are you at online? <laughs> Uh, my website, Valérie Jardin Photography, all in one word, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N, Photography. And it will soon be a Squarespace site. So hopefully if I can convert everything over. Valerie, it sounds so good when you say it. <laughs> I know. See, I feel bad because I feel like I'm doing so well with her last name and then she says it and it sounds perfect. I don't know. <laughs> I think well, you're sure saying it wrong, Valerie. You're, you're saying it wrong. I think you need to. <laughs> you know, when I go when I go to France now, because I have a slight um, American accent, when I the first few days when I when I'm there, um, it's hard to get back into the 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 real French that I I grew up with. And people say, "Wow, your French is really good." <laughs> well, thank you. It should. I grew up here. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, what a slap. I know, oh, like, ouch. Or people say, are you from the Midwest or something? I'm like, ouch, ouch. ouch. And you're like, yes. <laughs> Why, yes, I am. You betcha. <laughs> you betcha. We, oui, you betcha. Oh, man. Wow. It's getting late. It was Well, guys, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. And uh, to the listeners, if you want to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, of course, you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. There you can also enter the latest contest we have up there for Nicole's 80 Lightroom presets. So make sure you hop over there and check that out and check out our store, too. And also you can join our community, our thriving community on Google+. Please check us out there. And finally, if you're looking for me, you can find me at frederickvan.com or you can check me or check out my site, mediabytes.com. That's M-E-D-I-A-B-Y-T-E-S, B-Y-T-E-S. And with that, Nicole, I hope you're ready. It's time to take that lens cap off.
Yes. <laughs> That's so lame. You need some double A's in that thing. Hey, it's a 60D. Give it a break. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 